Some great things to share with you today. Before we do that, as always, we like to recite this prayer together, get our hearts and minds in the right place. So let's begin. O Lord, our God, we have gathered in your most holy name that we might drink together from the water of life. We come to praise you, for you are Lord of all creation, to enjoy you, for you are our Heavenly Father, to learn from you, for you are our wonderful Counselor, and to serve you, for you are our Almighty King. Open up the floodgates of heaven, Lord. Let the river of life flow through this great city as we seek to love our neighbors as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are uh, continuing with our sermon series called I Love My Church, and uh, we have uh, somebody, a uh, special guest with us today, Matt Swida, who's going to be sharing with us in a bit, so I want to jump right in. Um, we're looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read this story straight through, actually. Um, it's called The Story of Jesus and the Woman at the Well, and it goes like this. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, the Baptist. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, it was his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, a well, as in with water. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it, who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our forefather Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, the water that Jesus is talking about, will, or this water in the well, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. So what you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. In other words, because Jesus is a Jew, salvation is from Jesus. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. 
The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, Jesus' disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And his disciples said to each other, Could somebody have brought him some food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It is still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. But many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me I, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. <laughs> Came to that realization on their own. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out all that a, prop, that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. But they'd been there before. So we see Jesus in this story going through a town that he didn't really have to go through. And which most Jews would have avoided at all costs. Because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. We see Jesus going through this town, and he reaches the unlikeliest person. My friend recently pointed out two truths to me. Right? There are two truths that we see here in the scripture. When it comes to doing the work that Jesus commanded us to do, when it comes to doing the work that Jesus commanded all his disciples to do, go out and make disciples of all nations. There are two truths that we see here. One truth is that the harvest fields are ripe for harvest. The harvest fields are ready for harvest. They are ripe. And the second truth is that even though the harvest fields are ripe for harvest, the workers are few. The fields are ripe for harvest. The workers are few. See, the fields of harvest represent the masses and masses of people who have not yet encountered Jesus Christ and who have not yet begun to walk with him as disciples. Oh, sure, lots of people have heard of Jesus. Lots of people have heard of the Bible and what's in it. Lots of people know about Christianity as a religion. But there are harvest fields full of people who don't know Jesus Christ. And Jesus says there are too few workers to go out and do the work of the harvest. Too few disciples who are heeding the call to make more disciples. Too few. Now, I know Pastor Albert talked with you last week, and he promised you, everyone, last week, and in case you weren't here, I'll tell you, he promised everybody that he's going to be asking over the next few weeks and months, 
for hard things, as we have been over the last few months. And by he, he actually means we, as in your pastors. Okay, Christine and Albert and myself. We, your pastors, are going to be challenging everyone to another level of what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And of course, that challenge always, always includes our very own selves. Now, the reason this story in John 4 is so powerful for us today is because we are all at once called to imitate the woman in this story as well as to imitate Jesus in the story. We are all at once called to imitate the woman in the story and to imitate Jesus in the story. Let me explain. How everything happens around this well, this place of refreshing, this place of living water. We are all to be like this woman. Whether you are a woman or not, we are to imitate the spirit of this woman. We all have something that we know disqualifies us from God. Or maybe we don't know, but we all have it. Some of us realize it and some of us don't. For this woman, it was her five husbands and her current boyfriend. She felt probably disqualified her. And so we come to this well to be restored, to be refreshed, to seek another opportunity for new life and for new hope. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you're here just to be restored, just to be refreshed, just to receive new hope today. You know, and try as we might to make it seem like we have it all together when we're here at church, you know, putting on the smile, how you doing, I'm fine, how you doing, yeah, it's great, good. Try as we might to make it seem like we have it all together. It's actually the perfect place to be because when we go to the well, When we go to the well, we meet someone who can see that we are thirsty for living water, for another life, for new life. Some of you, when you you hear me or Albert or Christine talking about ministry and doing God's work and making disciples, you already know you're not there. You are just not there. For some of you, it's apathy. Plain and simple. You've been coming to church so long that it's become just that. Just a thing that you come to. There's not much zeal. There's no joy or hope in it. You just do it because it's what you do. But for some of you, for some of you, when you hear us talking about ministry and you feel like, I'm just not there, it's brokenness. You hear me telling you, we need to go out into the harvest field. And you're telling me, but I'm broken. I need refreshing. I need healing. I need new hope. It's like telling an athlete with a broken leg to just get out there and play. Suck it up. Play through it. I know. Some of you are there. Now, if you find yourself in a situation like the woman, thirsty for something greater, I ask you, will you come to the well today? Will you come to the living water? Will you come to Jesus and let him restore you? Like this woman. She didn't know she was going to the well to be restored. But she did. Each one of us needs to come to Jesus like this at some point. Because each of us is thirsty, parched for the living water, for Jesus. Each one of us is starving for the bread of life, for Jesus. Each one of us is. Are you thirsty today? Are you know that you're thirsty today? Do you know that you're hungry? Do you know that you can come to this well today, just like the woman in the story, and find new life? Because we are all like this woman. And some of us are so much like this woman today that when I say, let's do hard things, and you're saying, I am not, I need to be healed first. 
and that's okay. Will you come to the well like this woman? But Christians, Christians, my fellow Christians, my fellow disciples of Jesus Christ, we are all to be also like Jesus in this story. As I mentioned, Jesus went through the unlikeliest town to reach the unlikeliest person. If you were to look at a map from where Jesus started and where he was going to Galilee, actually to go through this town was actually more straight, straightforward. But most Jews, what they would do is because they hated Samaritans, they would take the long way all the way around just so they would avoid having to go through that place where the dirty Samaritans lived. But Jesus, it says, had to go through Samaria. I think there's a double meaning there. Not just that, hey, it's a shorter route. Jesus had to go through Samaria. In other words, like he had to go. Like, no, there's something for me to do there. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jews, they typically hated to associate with Samaritans. And so Jesus makes one bold move to actually go through Samaria instead of going around it like most Jews would have. And then not only does he pick an unlikely town, but he talks to a woman. And men in those days were not to talk to women that were not their wives. And not only does he talk to a woman, but he talks to a woman with a reputation, with a past. And not only does he talk to this woman, but he asks her for a drink from her water container. Do you know why this is a big deal? Because Jews hated Samaritans so much that they wouldn't even use a plate or a cup if it had been touched or used by a Samaritan. That's how dirty they thought the Samaritans were. And here is Jesus asking her for water from her own container. Jesus wasn't afraid. And what he does is he lays her past bare right there in front of her. And he, re- he reveals that God is looking for true worshipers, regardless of their cultural background. And he reveals to her that he is the Messiah. And she is so excited by this encounter, as we see in the story. It says she leaves her water jar. Basically, she forgets about why she even came there in the first place. And she leaves her water jar, and she goes back to the town and says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 10, Luke 10, where he's getting ready to send out 72 people to all the towns to preach the gospel. And he tells them in Luke 10, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he tells them to do something about it. He tells them to do something about it. Are we supposed to just sit here wringing our hands, scratching our heads, saying, hmm, there's so many people who need to hear. Whatever shall we do? What does Jesus say? He says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. That's what we're supposed to do about it. Yeah, there's so many people and so few people to do the work. What do we do? God, send out workers into the harvest field. When we pray for more workers in the harvest field, you know you're not just praying for someone somewhere else to go into the harvest field, right? We're praying for ourselves. And for each other. God, prepare me. God, send me. God, give me your words. God, let me see through your eyes. You know, as a member of the body here at Trinity Church, we have to be praying for us, for each other, for all of us. God, send us. And as always, see, Jesus is the first to lead by example because he was sent by God and he goes. Jesus reveals a God who is always on the move, always on the lookout for someone 
Someone who's ready. And as his church, we too must always be on the move, always on the lookout. That's why we've been talking about for this year that we want to become, we want to see ourselves as a river church instead of a lake church. But what happens when you have a church that's been pretty much like a lake for a long time? You have to do a lot of hard work to dig those canals all the way to the ocean. It takes a lot of hard work to get us kind of out of our stasis, right? We need to be a church on the move, like a river. Not like a lake just sitting there, feeding ourselves. Jesus went to the well for a different reason than the woman did. He went to meet a need. He went to this well because this is where people went when they needed something. And he went there. So likewise, Jesus is calling us to go. Go to the places where people gather. Go to the places where needs are clear. Now, I I encourage you, wherever you are today, I ask you, will you go to the well today? Will you ask God for the strength and boldness to go to the well today? We're talking about making disciples and going to a world that is broken, but maybe you're not there. Okay, so will you go to the well to meet Jesus Will you allow God to lay your life bare and uncover all the broken pieces? Will you then allow him to take those pieces and begin to put them back together to make something beautiful out of them as only he can? If that's you, please know that we are a church that does not believe in leaving wounded on the side of the road. Well, we're moving. I'm sorry. If you can't do it, if you can't hack it, then, you know, figure it out. Maybe you need to get, maybe you need to get Jesus. We don't believe in leaving our wounded behind. We want to listen to you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to see healing and restoration happen in your life. So if that's you today, please make use of the resources that you have here at this church. One of my jobs as a pastor is to listen to you, to pray with you. But I don't see it as a job. I do it out of joy. I want to pray with you. I want to walk with you in the places where you're broken. And I know we have other pastors here who want to do the same. So will you come to the well today? Maybe you're not going to come to me or a pastor. Maybe you just need to sit and let Jesus speak to you. But Maybe you're here today and you're not feeling the heaviness of brokenness. Maybe you're ready to look to God and say, God, where are you calling me? What are you saying to me? And I want to encourage you, open your heart and mind today as I will. And together we're going to discover what God may be calling us to. Now, right now, I'm going to invite my friend Matt Swida to come up, and he's going to talk with us for a little bit. Matt's been working with Trinity to discover how we can love our neighbors in our communities, and today we're going to get a specific idea for how we can do that, how we can be like Jesus in our communities, and then we'll bring this all together. So, Matt, share with us a little bit. Let's welcome Matt. Thank Give you. him a warm Trinity welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Can you guys hear me? Good morning. So I've been known to make crowds feel uncomfortable. Is that okay? Right, I guess I guess we'll see if they we'll see if they invite me back. <laughs> so, question for you this morning first. Uh, well, actually, first of all, can I just say it's good to be with you. Um, I love this church, and it is always an honor to see your faces and. Uh, what a privilege it is to, to walk alongside you. Question for you is this. 
And I want full participation. So here we go. Extroverts in the room. If you consider yourself an extrovert and you love being around people and you get excited around people, I would love to see you raise your hand right now. If, you, if you're just kind of an extrovert, you're like, I love people. Okay, look around, look around. Raise them up high, raise them up high. Okay. All right. <laughs> what was that? All six of us. <laughs> All right. If, if you're like me... If you're like me and you're an introvert, you get your energy from being by yourself, maybe reading a book and not so much the life of a party, but you enjoy your space, raise your hand up high. (laughs) All right. Now, some of you actually, just by me asking you to raise your hand just now, felt a little uncomfortable too, didn't you? Some of you are thinking, oh gosh, I hope he actually doesn't point to me and have me stand up and say my name or anything. Was that anyone? Anyone? That was you? All right, go ahead and stand for it. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, but it's real, right? We, We find ourselves in these uncomfortable places sometimes. So whether that was just right now or somewhere throughout the week this week, you're probably going to feel uncomfortable at some point. And maybe that was just right now. And so my question this morning for you is, what would it look like for us to begin being comfortable with being uncomfortable? What would it look like for us to begin leaning into that discomfort? Because there's a lot of times where we feel uncomfortable. And to be honest, and I'm one of those people, I like to kind of cringe back and step away and then go, yeah, not for me. So that's the challenge. That's the question for all of us. How can we lean into this uncomfort zone? How can we lean in? What does that look like for each one of us? And so this week, it might be you are faced with a new job interview, a new job, and and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I'm nervous about going into this job interview. I don't know what it's going to look like. But what would it look like for you to go with great boldness and go, yeah, it feels uncomfortable, But I know that my God's on the throne and that no matter what happens with this job interview, I'm still going to step forward because his plan is good. His will is good. And I can trust in that. So I'm going to lean in. Or maybe for some of you, that discomfort zone is a challenge you're having with your family or a spouse or someone. And you know that maybe they hurt you and you have to have a conversation with them. And as you see them, you, you see them walk across the room. And you're like, oh, I want to talk to him, but maybe I can just pull him aside and say, hey, can we talk and lean into that discomfort? Maybe for some of us, it's whenever Pastor Johnny talks about reaching our neighborhoods and loving our neighbors. And just the idea of going to meet our neighbors just brings this level of tension, this anxiety, this discomfort. And when we get home this afternoon and we pull into our driveways and we see our neighbor next door, what would it look like to go, I'm just going to go say hi this time. I just want to reintroduce myself. What does it look like to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? 
It's hard. It is, right? Are you with me? It's hard. So earlier this year, I was invited to do dinner, a birthday dinner, with our next-door neighbors, Al and Alina. And Lena. And my wife and Lena had become really good friends, and Al and I have not become really good friends. And so they were texting, and, and Lena sends her a text and says, we would love you guys to spend my birthday dinner with us. Just us. What an honor, right? My, my next-door neighbors. And Jordan brings this to me, and she goes, hey, Lena and Al invited us to do dinner with them for their birthday. Um, and she goes, They're gonna, they want to go in a couple hours. I go, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> she goes, what? I'm like, I'm good. Go back a few months. I've spent many times and many dinners with Al and Lena. They have clicked really well, but every time I've gotten together with Al, it's just been this awkward feeling. Like, we would go and we would, I, I've been to um, his house and watched bo- boxing matches and football games. And we end up having these very shallow conversations, and then we just end up kind of shoulder to shoulder, just not really talking. And it's just been this awkwardness between me and Al. And honestly, if you want to know really what's going on in here, I didn't think he liked me. I really, I was just like, I don't think Al likes me. And that's what I communicated to my wife that day when they invited us. I said, I don't want to go. I don't think Al likes me. And it's Honestly, it's pretty uncomfortable every single time I'm around him. And this is what my good spouse, in the wisdom that she has, says to me. She goes, Matt, they just invited us into their world. They don't know Jesus. We know Jesus. And we need to be Jesus in their lives. Ugh. <laughs> Fine. It's like right here, you know. Long story short, we went and ended up going to their birthday dinner together, and it was absolutely phenomenal. As, the, as we get ready to pay the bill, I pull out my wallet, and he's, he goes, Matt, you know what? No, I'm, I'm paying for today's dinner, and let me tell you why. Every time that I leave town, and he's part of the army, every time I leave town, you guys do such a great job at taking care of my family. You bring my, my kids dinner, and you take care of Lena. Like, I just want to say thank you for all those times when I'm away. And I couldn't see myself at the time, but I bet my jaw was like... <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, all of this time I've been believing this lie. I've been, I've been motivated by fear that Al didn't like me when, in fact, his perception of me was completely different. And it just helped me realize that night, and, and by the way, on our drive home, we had this amazing conversation about our faith journey. And I was just like, wow. What would... I have done if I hadn't leaned into that discomfort and if I didn't have my wife there to help me through it. And we became this, um, since then we had just developed this really strong relationship with them. But let me, let me help you understand two ways in that time of discomfort that I was able to push through. Two ways, and I'm just taking it straight from that example. One was accountability. I had a spouse there that said, Matt, 
we need to do this. We need to do this. And so for me, at that specific time, I needed that accountability. Now, you may or may not have a spouse, and that's okay, but your accountability can come from a church member. It can come from a friend. It can come from your pastor. Who is your accountability partner? Because at that specific time, I needed one. That's my first. That's, that's the first I noticed. And the second thing I noticed was she reminded me of my big why. Why is it that I needed to go? And I was reminded of 12 years ago whenever I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember the sweet taste of grace the sweet taste of salvation. Do you guys remember when you became Christians? Do you remember? Yeah? For me, it was only 12 years ago. Some of you may have been walking with the Lord all your life, but for me, it was only 12 years ago. And I remember what it's like on the other side of grace, and it's not fun. It is amazing. Once you come into a relationship with Jesus, his grace is so abundant. And let me say, I am motivated by the fact that I want others to experience that same level of grace. Now, it's not up to me to go and save my neighbors, but it is up to me to pray for them and to love them well. And Jordan, my wife, reminded me that we needed to be Jesus to our next-door neighbors who were inviting us into their lives, which, by the way, we were praying for. And here I was going, no, I'm good. (laughs) Can anyone relate? The writer of the of Hebrews says God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some might not experience it. Do you tremble with fear knowing that your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members that don't know Jesus might not experience his rest and his goodness? Do you tremble with fear? What would it look like for all of us to lean in into discomfort and to get comfortable feeling un- uncomfortable? What would it look like? Can we get there? Okay, so in a couple moments, I'm going to ask you to lean into that discomfort. I'm going to give you a practical example of how you can do that today. All right? If you remember a few months back, we challenged the congregation in something we call canning hunger. Does everybody remember that? Yes? Yes. 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 All right, introverts, come on. All right, there we go. This This is such a simple way for us to basically... Connect with those next door, but also be a blessing to our community. What it is is this. I place eight of these door hangers on my neighbor's doors, and it says I'm coming by in a couple days, and I want to invite you to donate some food, non-perishable food, because we want to feed hungry families and children in our community. Because you know what? Hunger never ends. 
people are hungry. Families that are hungry in our community always are hungry. And, and th there's no end to this. And so this is one way for us to invite the community, our neighbors, to join us in fighting hunger. But let me tell you something else. It's also a way for you and I to actually build a bridge with those that live next door. And to begin meeting the people like Al and Lena who need just a little bit of hope in their lives. And so I'm not asking you guys to go out and evangelize your neighborhood. All I'm asking you to do is to begin making friends with those next door and watch how God begins to work through that. And this is one of the easiest ways that we can do that. And so you can do it as a family. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with a, a friend. But you go out, you hang the door hangers, and you go meet your neighbors and just say, hey, would you help me feed hungry families? And by the way, what's your story? I'm sorry we've never gotten to know one another. And so in the next two weeks, we're challenging Trinity to join us and blanket our neighborhoods with the love of Christ through Trinity Church. And then we're going to feed many hungry families through that. What does it look like for us to get comfortable being uncomfortable? So here's the challenge. Right where you are. you want to join us in this, last time I think we had 18, 18 households join us into can hunger. And this whole direction, this whole discipleship push in loving your city that's coming, this is just beginning the beginning step of that. We want to begin being God's witnesses wherever we go, right? Wherever we live, work, and play. So I want to invite you to can hunger with us and meet your neighbors. I know it's going to feel uncomfortable. Trust me, I'm an introvert and I've done it. But the other side of it is beautiful. We've seen amazing relationships develop just from this one simple thing. So here we go. This is what I want you to do. Prayerfully right now. If it feels uncomfortable when I ask you that maybe God whispering for you to lean in instead of lean away. But if you want to join us and can hunger and engage in your neighborhood in the next two weeks, and we're going to pile up all the food right here, I want you right where you are just to stand up and say I'm in. Awesome. 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 Thank you. Awesome. What's your why? The gospel is the good news. What is your why? Who else? Who else wants to join us? Remember your story of salvation. There's people next door that don't know the love of Jesus. They sleep 10 feet away from us from sometimes, and we don't even know them. What would it look like to give them just a little bit of hope? You may be exactly what it is that they're hoping for. 
Who's going to join us? Keep standing. Come on. Come on. Who's going to join us? Keep standing. Thank you, guys. You know what? I'm excited for the future of what God has for this church. As Johnny was talking about the 72, it's, you are Jesus' missionaries. You are his disciples. Did you know you are in this room today because Jesus sent out those original disciples? As he sent those disciples out to the towns, did you know you're standing in this room because of those original few? The future, the next few generations happens because of you guys. So thank you. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, at, after the service, you have a sign-up sheet. Yep. So a, whether you stood up or not, I want to encourage you to come to the front and put your name down so we get your information. We can be in communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to ask it right now, especially for those of you who stood, you're actually planning on doing this. Are there any questions right now that uh, Matt or myself can field? <laughs> I'll explain a little bit more in detail. But. And we'll- and we'll also give like a five-minute briefing as you pick up the canning hunger door hangers and things. And it has instructions, and it has one of the block maps where it says fill out your neighbor's name. So it has all of that information. Um, but, yeah, if you have any questions for us right now. If not, please uh, come afterwards for about five minutes. And- yeah, so stick around. I'm not going anywhere. By the way, if we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. So stop by and say hi. And... Yeah, anything else? That's it. All right. We'll move on. All right. Thank you. Uh, I want to, Molly, Molly, you asked if you could share a brief story, so I'd like to give you a chance to do that. Okay. This is sort of spontaneous, but I was so excited that I felt like I wanted to share. So um, I appreciate what Matt was saying. I am an extrovert. I realize, don't just say, oh, she's an expert. That's why she's saying this. Okay, there's something real here. But um, I just want to give a brief testimony about not all, because it's uncomfortable to do these things. I agree. It's totally uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. But it's also really fun. So I just want to say the word fun, because it's also really fun. And I want to give you a brief story. So we had a women's breakfast yesterday. And so I had this idea. I want to invite some of the other moms um, from the preschool to come to the women's breakfast. So I, you know, I work, but I was like, I'll show up an hour early to be able to invite women from the preschool to come to the breakfast because the last time I went to the breakfast it was so powerful like oh my gosh other moms are going to really be moved by this so anyways it was scary it was awkward I talked to a lot of people okay okay I don't have a lot of time but literally I'd already thrown the sign-up sheet away nobody had signed up at that point I had one person was a maybe no then then somebody came after I threw up the sign-up sheet and then she said oh my gosh I want to come you do you want to come and then Later that day, I went to pick up my son, and then I met somebody else, and I didn't have the sign-up sheet, but I was like, hey, I like your shirt, and we started talking, and then she said she was interested in coming. So I was so excited. Well, two of them came yesterday to the breakfast and sat at my table, so Janelle was with me at my table. They were just moved by God in a powerful way. One of the women just said, that, I feel like I know God's working in my life because I'm here at this breakfast right now. That's how I know. He's like, what the heck? And I had so much joy. I came home and I told my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, we talked about what we were grateful for. That was the highlight of my week, was that. I was so joyful. It was so much fun. 
And the scripture that came to my mind was the one we read today. It's like, my, the will, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is talking about his real food, the sustenance of his life, is to do the work that the Father has sent him to do. And it's real food for our souls. And I just felt like, man, I've had a really hard nine months, one of the most challenging in my life. This was one of the most joyful places I had. And it felt like the Lord was refreshing my soul through this process of taking a risk and seeing other people experience Jesus. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to invite all the moms a month in advance so we can get more moms to the breakfast next time. So, anyways, just a brief thing that I, I just want to say. It's fun. It's exciting. There's no better joy when you see other people experiencing God in a fresh way. And, man, it fills up your soul. So I just wanted to testify. This stuff is real. Preach, Molly. Preach. Good stuff. I love it. You know, I could, I could think of, like, several reasons why you can't or probably don't want to do this canning hunger thing. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times we feel like, well, you're telling me I have to reach my whole neighborhood? Uh, no, actually, I'm not. And I love the example that Jesus gives in the story of the woman at the well. Um, because he didn't even necessarily reach everyone in that neighborhood himself. He told one person. He told one woman. And she was so excited at what he did in her life that she went and told everyone. He didn't have to. So don't tell yourself, like, oh, you expect me to reach my whole neighborhood? How about just starting with one? How about making friends with one person? How about introducing yourself to one person? How about praying for one person? Look at what God can do with one person. So that's not a reason. Um, How about, well, I just really don't have time. I could use that one. I'm very familiar with that one. Jesus tells us that the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So if you feel like, if your heart is actually saying, I want to do this, but I don't have time... What did Jesus say to do? If the field is ripe, but the workers are few, what did Jesus say to do? Pray. I know that sounds lame and like a cop-out, but it's not. If you really want to do something that you don't seem to have the ability to do, what should you do? Pray. God, my heart is burning to do this, but I just can't seem to find the margin in my life to do it. I can't seem to find the courage. I can't seem to find the energy. I I I want to want to do it, but I don't. Whatever. Jesus says, harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, so pray. Pray. Do you have time to pray? Do you have time to utter a prayer? Do you have time to pray that God would send somebody? Do you have time to to say, God, I hear you calling me, but I just don't have time. God, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't have the margin in my life. God, send someone. If that someone is me, then I trust you're going to show me. You are going to show me how that's possible. How is that going to happen? Or maybe your reason is, I don't want to go to my... I don't even, I haven't even met them yet. Why would I go and ask something from them? Isn't that weird? Isn't that awkward? Yeah? Okay, so if you want to maybe give a little something to show that, hey, I'm not just asking you something, then what if instead of just putting a door hanger, what if you give them something off the door hanger? I mean, you don't have to, like, attach a 20 to it or something like that, but, like, I don't know... A, Something small, a bookmark, a keychain, a something just that says, hey, you're not just a 
faceless neighbor, but I, I see you, and here's a gift. So there's all kinds of reasons. I can think of all kinds of reasons. You can think of all kinds of reasons. Why? No, I'm, no, I'm good. Just like Matt said. No, I'm good. No. Some of you, when Matt started talking, you already in your head said, no, I'm not doing that. Some of you in your heart, you already went like, and you just like shut the gate, right? Shut the door. But I want you to see if you can hear God speaking to you. Because with God speaking to you, it's not just me, it's not just Matt, it's not just Molly. If God is speaking to you, listen. Okay? It's not, it's not me. If, God, if you feel like God's kind of doing this, tugging in your heart or your mind, your, then don't, don't do it because I'm telling you. God's speaking to you. So two action steps for us today as we close. Two action steps. One, do canning hunger. Participate. You know what I plan to do? When I go to take my door hangers, I'm going to take my kids with me. You know why? One, because I want my kids to see me doing this. And I, I want them... <laughs> you can take my kids with you too, yes. Because <clears throat> they're just too cute, right? But one is I want my kids to see me doing uncomfortable, awkward, difficult things. Because I don't want them to be the kinds of people that say, no, nah, it's too hard, I'm good. I want them to do difficult things. But the second thing is, if I encounter anybody that's what, like, what the heck are you doing on my lawn or on my front porch, it's a lot harder to get mad at somebody when they've got two cute kids with them. <laughs> so they are like my defenses. Okay? <laughs> do canning hunger. <laughs> do canning hunger. Do it. Do it. Just, I encourage you. Even if you didn't stand up, you're like, nah, it's too late. The moment passed. No, the moment has not passed. Even if today passes and you have to run after church or whatever, shoot me a text tomorrow, email, call me. Be like, Johnny, I didn't pick up one of those things. Okay, great. I'll get one to you. Do canning hunger. Just, just do it. Okay, even if you're to- completely hesitant, just come up here and get one of those things and just do it, all right? You will not regret it. Two is I want to encourage you to pray. Luke 10.2. Pray exactly as Jesus taught us to pray. Because the workers are few for the plentiful harvest. So do what Jesus said and pray. Pray that the Lord would send somebody. And if you know that he's talking to you, then pray that the Lord would send you. And if you're in that place of brokenness where you're like, man, this is not me right now. I cannot, I can't, I can't do this. Then pray that the Lord would send somebody else until you are healed, until you are refreshed, until you are restored, and you can be the one that is sent. So pray for your healing, too, so that you can be ready to be sent. But pray. Pray Luke 10, too. All right? Um, we're going to go into communion right now because this is the first Sunday of the month, and this is what we do on the first Sunday of the month. Um, this is something that Jesus told us to do. Um, I want to ask, actually, those who are serving communion, if you would uh, come up and start uh, kind of getting the, the elements ready and then go to the station where you're going to be. We're going to have uh, a station right over here. That's station two. Station three is going to be in the back. And station one is going to be right here in the front. So as they are getting the communion elements, uh, a little bit of explanation. Before Jesus was tortured and crucified for us, he ate with his disciples and he told them to eat broken bread as a symbol of his broken body. And he told them to drink red drink as a symbol of his shed blood. And he told them, do this in remembrance of me. And so on the first Sunday of every month, we follow that tradition. But communion is more than just a tradition. It's a way that we identify. It's a way that we become one with Jesus Christ. It's a way that we say, Jesus, I acknowledge you as God. I worship you as the way, the truth, and the life. And I recognize my great and utter need for you. 
So since today, we've been talking about going to the well and doing the hard things that we need to do to follow what God is calling us to do, I want to ask you, as you pray, thank you, I want to ask you as you pray, I want to ask you to do something. Um, When you receive the communion elements, when you receive the communion elements, I want you to to say this prayer with me. And you can say this in your own heart. I'm going to leave the words up here on the screen so that you can, can read this prayer together. God, I come to your well of living water to be healed by you and to be sent by you. God, I come to your well of living water to be healed by you and to be sent by you. I'm going to pray over these elements, and then when I am done praying, when your heart is ready, go to the nearest station to receive the elements. Um, I'd like to ask you to, you can receive the bread, dip it in the juice, don't take the cup and drink out of it. Dip it in the juice, and you can eat it right there. And as you do, pray this prayer. Let's pray over this communion time. God, uh, you have made it really clear right now, today. You have spoken very clearly that you are a God who is not afraid to call us to do uncomfortable things. Instead of thinking about the comfort zones that we live in, God, transform our thinking so that we begin to think about the uncomfort zones that we live in, as Matt talked about. We all have places that are uncomfortable for us, and some of those places are uncomfortable for a reason. We're supposed to feel uncomfortable when things are toxic, unhealthy, abusive, wrong, hurtful, harmful. Those are not the uncomfortable things that you're calling us to just deal with. You deliver us from those things. But then there's those uncomfortable things that we know are good for us. We know they are right. We know they are part of the solution instead of part of the problem, and yet we still find it hard to do those things. So God, those those are the uncomfortable things that we ask you to help us to do. So as we come and receive communion and remind and we are reminded of the uncomfortable thing that you did to have your body broken for us and to have your blood shed for us help us to remember that you are a God who is familiar with doing uncomfortable things yourself. You're not just telling us to do something that you don't do and you haven't done. God bless this communion time. May each of us know that we are welcome at the well of life. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, even that act of uh, taking communion is, is awkward sometimes. Somebody says something, we dip something, the crackers tasted weird. Um, sometimes I don't know what, those, what that was about um, uh, 
Sometimes we don't know what to do. What do you what do you say? Are we supposed to say something back? And also with you. Like, what, what? It's awkward to think that we are eating something that represents flesh and blood. It's awkward to get up out of our seats, comfortable places, and have to come up in front of somebody and get something from somebody. That's what you're calling us to do. You're calling us to come to the well. And it's not always, uh, well, it's usually awkward. It's usually messy. It's not pretty. Especially in those moments when we come before you broken and there's tears and Lord, there's just stuff coming out of our faces and we're just before you and we're just humble and we are broken before you. But you're a God who takes us by the hand. You pick us up. You lift us out of that place. Lord, even when we come before you and we say, okay, God, I want to do your will, but it's not always perfect and not everybody's going to respond and not every neighbor is going to be friendly and <clears throat> not everybody's going to give food. Maybe some of us are just going to get like one person or maybe they'll just come, come back with one can or I don't know. But God, just that act, just the act of being obedient, just by saying, okay, God, you're calling me, I'm going to do it. You're calling me to the well, whether it's to be healed or to be sent, I'm going to do it. Help us to be comfortable (laughs) doing it because it's what you told us to, even if the thing itself is uncomfortable. Because we trust you. And we trust that uh, even if something is awkward or uncomfortable, it's going to build something into us that we'll never know if we just keep saying no, 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 no. So today we say yes, God. Thank you, Lord God, for the ways that we continue to support one another. Thank you for the ways that we continue to work together. And thank you for the ways that we continue to follow your calling ever higher. We love you, God. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we thank you for loving us first. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.